Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. All right, so, so far this year, we have served together. We have fasted and prayed together. We've worshiped together. Um, you know, we've celebrated souls being baptized together. Last week, Jimmy, a Georgia State student, was baptized, came out the baptistry dancing, dancing like David, you know. Uh, that's amazing. Yesterday, uh, another Georgia State student, Bryson, was baptized. Bryson was baptized at the Georgia State Aquatic Center yesterday with his family and friends in attendance. And he is one of the guys in the household of a brother's household at Georgia State that's called the Basement Boys. And so that household started last year with, uh, with two disciples, and now all four of them are disciples. So that is amazing. So, you know, all of that has already happened, and we're just now getting to the kickoff, the official kickoff uh, for 2024. But really, you know, what we're kicking off is, is this new theme, right, this, this new series can't make this up. And for those of you who don't know, I will share again why we picked this theme. It emerged as a constant saying for us in the church. Last year, as we were amazed by God and just in awe of him and the things that he was doing, the, the stories we were hearing about people and their relationship with God, it was just like this phrase like adequately communicated what all God was doing. You just can't make this stuff up. It's just, it's too amazing. Like, nobody could just create this. this. This has to be God. And also, it relates to how we look at his word, the scriptures, that we look at the scriptures with awe and wonder. Like, no man, no person, no woman, no, they can't make the scriptures up, the things we read in the, story, in, in the Bible. And uh, overall, we want this year to be a year where the church is just in wonder of God. Just looking at God with great faith and amazement. And so as we started saying it, uh, we noticed the NFL created a whole marketing campaign around it. I don't know who told who and how it got back to the NFL, but we had it first. Uh, they, it, it came from, a, there's a conspiracy theory for all my football fans out there. You know this, that, that the NFL is scripted, that it's, it's a, it's a storyline, it's more of a show in a game, it's kind of like the WWE. I'm sorry, I told my daughters that it's not real, and they were so disappointed. I'm so, and it, it is real. It's just scripted. <laughs> it's really scripted. Um, and so, you know, football fans are like, this stuff that's happening, like it's it, like no way. And so the NFL embraced it. And they put a series of commercials out kind of poking fun at this concept. Let's take a look at the commercial that they put out. All right, everyone. Last season was a smash. Ratings gold, but this year's script has to top it. So welcome to the table read for the 104th season of the NFL. Let's get to work. Yes, Jalen. I thought this was the dress rehearsal. Oh, sorry. Week one, fourth quarter, 302 left. Jamar leaps up and makes a no-handed catch. No hands. How? I don't need hands. I'll just catch it with my app. 
So you can call it the Abracagabra. Might as well send the ball to Canton now. What if we wrote the Mahomes character out of the script entirely? Yes. Yeah. Wrote him yes. over. Guy, not cool. Who said that? She didn't. You're an actor, Patrick. Act like one. Boring. What if we played shirts versus skins? Ooh. I like it, Kirko. What if we replaced my legs with actual wheels? I love it. What if Derrick Henry stiff arms a guy into another? It'd be possible for us to get to page two. I know it's a big Sunday today. For some fans out there, God be with you. <laughs> Everybody but one is going to be really sad. And I know Ricky's hoping that'll be the Ravens, so shout out to the Ravens. See, not only do they poke fun at this concept, but they're selling the fact that football is not just about the game, but the storylines that emerge throughout the season and the occurrences that are so ironic, they can almost be poetic. And so I got to thinking, I watched this commercial, I said, you know what, I couldn't help but think about what the brainstorming sessions were like between the Trinity before the creation of the world. Can you imagine God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit sitting at the round table? What if we did this? Wow, what if we did that? But how? Don't worry, we're going figure it out. Look who you are, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I talk, like, it's fun when you use your creativity when it comes to God and the Bible. And uh, I can only think of, man, what kind of storylines emerge? Well, we know some of the storylines because we get to see them in the scriptures, right? Uh, these occurrences that are so ironic, they can be poetic. God has his own script. It's called the scriptures. We know that. But there's another script. There's a script about your life and mine. Let's look at Psalm 139, verse 16, where it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Every moment? You know it all. It's like a book that... You're just flipping through the pages. It's already written. That's my next question for you is how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel that everything has already been laid out before God? Chosen. Curious. That's good. I like that. Special and seen, not in control, at ease, thought about, treasured, protected. These are some amazing answers. Got questions? I do too. I got questions. I don't know if anybody's like me, but I'm the why person. I'm the how person. You know, I, I want to know, okay, well, if it's already written, then do I have free will? Does it matter what decisions I make? And so I got to thinking. I said, you know, the easiest explanation that was given to me about matters of predestination and free will, it was told to me, think about this. You're standing in front of three doors, 
Doors one, doors number two, door number three. And God says, pick one. So you give it much thought. You go through door you choose. You walk through that door, and there's God. You see, he already knew the decision you would make, and yet he still gave us the freedom to make that choice. Both can be true. This brings up, for me, three characteristics of God that I love the most personally. The omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence of God. John Frame uh, wrote an essay for the Gospel Coalition, and he makes things simple for us. The prefix omni means all, and so the divine attributes can be paraphrased by saying that God is all-powerful, or that's his omnipotence. He's all-knowing, that's omniscient, and he's everywhere present or omnipresent. So I'll let you wrestle out two of those. Today I'm going to talk about one, which is God's omnipotence. It's through his all-powerful nature that he's able to work out everything for his own purposes, especially his desire to give everyone a chance to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So today we're going to look at some scriptures that will affirm this truth from his script, right? And we're going to close out telling you a story that confirms this truth. So God's omnipotence. What does that mean? That he's all powerful, right? Which means God can do anything, right? Not quite. There are some things God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot perform any immoral action. Since God is perfectly holy and good, he cannot do anything that is evil. And so, since he is perfect truth, he cannot do things that are logically contradictory, like making a round square. Can't happen. Did I lose y'all? <laughs> Nor can God do things that are inappropriate to his nature as God. So, how should we define God's omnipotence in a way that is more precise? Well, I think the most helpful definition of God's omnipotence is this. He has complete power and total control over everything. He has complete power and total control over everything. This includes the smallest details of the natural world, like the falling of a sparrow or the numbers of hair on our head. Even the events we call random that we may ascribe to chance are really God at work. Is anything really random? Is anything really coincidence. So God has complete and total control over small things and big things. He determines what nations will dwell in which territory and during what time period. He decides what leader or king or president or prime minister or queen will rule at a certain time, at a certain place. He decides whether the purposes of that leader will stand or fall. And he decided once, that wicked people would take the life of his dear son so that we sinners might live. So God has complete and total control over the small things and the big things. He's even able to have complete and total power over sin. 
as in the fact that he allowed this concept of sin to be a reality for us, right? But also that he provides a way for us to overcome it. And not only that, but he has the power to bring good and beautiful out of sin and pain and grief, the result of the fall. And that's the part, right? Isn't, isn't that it for us? Like, isn't that the part that allows us to live with a different kind of hope, a, a different kind of security, knowing that the evil that is intended to harm us, not only can that be turned out for our good, but it can turn out for the good of others and the salvation of our souls. You know, I think about the story of Joseph, who was thrown into a cistern by his jealous brothers and sold into slavery, who was bought by a high-ranking officer um, to the king of Egypt, Potiphar, right, who was then falsely accused by that officer's wife, saying that he tried to rape her who was thrown into prison and forgotten by his fellow prisoners, who he had helped and had uh, interpreted dreams for them, right, and helped them to get out, and they forgot about him. They promised they would vouch for him, but once they get out, forget about him. Only to remember him two years later randomly when Pharaoh had some dreams that he wanted to understand the meaning of. Only to be made second in command after Pharaoh, right? Only to save Egypt from famine, and and then only to have his brothers who tried to do away with him to come to Egypt to beg for food. Occurrences so ironic they could almost be poetic. You can't make this up. So what does Joseph say to his brothers in the midst of tears, when he finally reveals that it is him, and they come to this point when they are reunited. Genesis 45, verse 3, tells us. He says this. He says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I I am Joseph. I'm I'm your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It's God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph goes, by this point, he has been so convinced that God has been orchestrating his life all along, especially the hard parts, that he not only takes the blame off of them, but doesn't even want them to feel guilt. He says, you know what? God did this. You didn't do this. You know, sometimes we give too much power to people. We, 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 we act like, like they really, have, if we're Christians and we've given God the power over our lives, we got to believe that he truly is in charge of everything. And so he goes on to say, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve any survivors. Wait, hold on. God has sent me to keep the brothers that told me slavery, slavery really wanted to kill me. 
to keep him alive? So it was God who sent me here, not you. It wasn't you. See, I have, a, I, have a, I have a greater picture of God. I understand his omnipotence more now, right? Like he, looking back, they, uh, Joseph's able to say these things, and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh. So through the hard times and the opportunities that he's given me, he's the one that gave that to me, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. So after the fact, for Joseph and so often for us, we're able to look back and connect the dots, right? And Joseph was able to give glory to God for his omnipotence. He saw God's power and his plan at work in his suffering, in his pain, in his grief. And it wasn't just to bring him to a position of power and prestige for his own good. It was so God could use that platform to save the lives of many, many people. You know, it's a beautiful moment in our own lives when we realize that our story is really part of a bigger story. A story that God has written to give everyone a chance to be right with him. Like I told you, I would share a passage with you, a story in the Bible that would affirm God's omnipotence. But I also wanted to get a chance for you to hear a story that confirms this truth. Uh, which leads me to the story of our sister Marissa Gunn. Marissa was baptized at our Christmas service last year. And uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, she's gracious enough uh, to allow us and allow her. She's going to come out in just a second and, and uh, share her story. Uh, but um, to tell you a little bit about uh, Marissa, for any of you who may be fans of reality TV, which is also scripted, um, <laughs> you may know Marissa for her appearances on The Bachelor. Uh, she actually uh, appeared on that show twice. Um, over the last decade or so. Um, but as I listened to her story, I couldn't help but be inspired by the power of God at work in her life beyond what is seen on television and how the most random events really weren't random at all, but instead all part of God's plan to bring her to him. Marissa, come on. Jordan will be joining her. Okay, well, Marissa, thank you so much for doing this and, you know, being willing to share your story. Um, just so excited to hear more from you, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. So Angel shared a little bit about you and where we might know you from and that sort of thing, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, just kind of where you grew up and things that we might not know. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Um, um, my name is Marissa. I am born and raised, I was born and raised in Montana, and I went to college in Montana as well. After college, I decided I wanted to do a lot more than spend my life in a dungeon working in the lab. So <laughs> my uncle, he uh, noticed that I was going through some stuff back home in Montana, and he was like, why don't you come out to Atlanta, uh, my wife's going on a business trip and I need someone to help with the girls for the weekend. And so I was like, okay, I've never been to Atlanta before. Can't make this up. <laughs> so I went, um, the girls and I went on a walk one day in Swanee Town Center. And we were just walking through there and there was this med spa that we walked by 
and they had a big we're hiring sign in the front office. So I was like, hmm, let me check this out. So I walked in, didn't have a resume or anything, just walked in, was like, oh, what are you hiring for? They're like, just a front desk. I was like, hmm, just the front desk, because I did go to college, and I was working uh, in the lab at the time, and so I was like, okay. They're like, you know what? We like you. Let me pull you in for an interview right here. So I was like, okay. <laughs> So during that interview, they ended up really liking me, and they said, hey, we want you to work here. Like, can you start next week? I was like, well, there's only one thing. I don't live here. <laughs> I'm from Montana. I live in Montana. And they're like, well, what can we do to get you out here? They were trying to make everything work. So Liz, I, like, didn't even have to think twice. I was like, like get me out of Montana. I have, there's bigger and better things out there for me. So I knew right then it was God. Um, so I went home, gave my two weeks packed up my car and drove across the country and started a life here in Atlanta. Um, I've been here about eight years now. So. <laughs> I just, I, I love that. I just, oh my gosh, thinking about literally you packing up your car, just driving across the country is just incredible. Um, and thinking about even some of the things that Angel was sharing and God's omnipotence and how he is kind of always working behind the scenes. Um, just looking back on some of the things that you shared in your life, you know, how would you say you think your spiritual journey began? So growing up, I didn't grow up in church. Um, my parents were always like, y'all can do what you want. Um, and when I moved to Atlanta, my uncle, he introduced me to my first church. And so that was, I guess you could say, the start of my spiritual journey. Although I didn't start, I wasn't um, studying the Bible. I didn't understand what was going on. I was showing up at church on Sundays and then COVID hit and it was just like a thing where I would put it on in the background, church in the background. And it wasn't until um, after like going on the show, I did get engaged on the show and that relationship did not work out. And it wasn't until I got home from that, I really started wanting to dig into like my spiritual journey and then about a year and a half after that it was when my brother um, passed away so a few months ago my brother passed away uh, it was very tragic it was not expected and it was in that moment when I knew I couldn't do this alone um, I think it's Matthew six thirty three, where it was seek God first mm -hmm. or seek his kingdom Mm -hmm. And it was that I really started digging into the scripture, and um, I just, it, <laughs> I realized God is with me, like I can't do this alone. And that's really when I started my journey, because it's, I can't make this up. So what brought me to the path is that going on the show introduced me, like, to my career now, which is social media and um, influencing and I had an event at Nobu, and my friends came with me. We were late. They were late, like always, but um, they actually had table assignments at this event at Nobu. And there were two guys, brothers, Trey and Russell. They were at, seated at the same table as me, and I was just waiting for my friends. We started a conversation, and I was telling them how I was looking for a new church home. 
and they were like, well, why don't you come check out our church on Sunday? Um, and they didn't think I was coming because the look on their faces when I showed up on Sunday, uh, <laughs> they're like, you actually came. I said, I told you I'm looking for a church home. Um, but ever since that Sunday, just walking into the path, everyone was so welcoming. Everyone, like, it's like everything kind of just went away, like when I walked through those doors, and everyone was so comforting, the fellowship, I knew this is where I wanted to be, and I've been here every Sunday since. <laughs> yes, amazing, yeah. It's, it's so amazing to even just hear, the, the more you speak, it's like the more you can see that thread of how God has been at work and orchestrating things, um, and you know, let me, just say, you know, how sorry I am, and, and just, I, I get it, um, of course, you know that I can certainly relate, and it's just something that totally just knocks the life out of you, um, but I love how even in that, even in your grief, how God was right there meeting you where you were, and even just encouraging you along your journey to keep going and to even draw you closer to him. Um, and so in all of that, in, you know, him bringing you here and allowing you to connect with different people, can you talk a little bit more about your experience just with the, the journey series? And you mentioned kind of when you first started going to church, how you weren't really kind of studying the scriptures at all and didn't really know, you know, that piece of it. But can you talk about how getting together with other women and really studying the Bible was helpful to you in your journey and just what that experience was like for you? Yeah, um, the journey series that I went through, it was life-changing. I mean, it was, it's hard, it was hard becoming a Christian, you know, like with the outside world, especially being on social media and all the judgment and all that. So having the journey series and women to be vulnerable with and no judgment, it really helped me. Like I was looking forward to those meetings. I start, we started like once a week mm -hmm. and then eventually I'm like, okay, I want to learn more. <laughs> Come on. Like, can we start doing every other day? Um, so I was very thankful for the women, you Thank you. Um, and the journey series, especially because I knew that I wanted to be baptized, but I didn't think I was ready. Turns out there's not a time to be ready. But mm -hmm. um, and I think having y'all with me through that really helped a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you. Um, it was a joy. Um, and even just thinking back to your Bible studies and how we would kind of go over different things with you, and it was just so funny because, again, to this theme of God always being at work, you were like, oh, well, I already did that. You know, I already stopped doing that. I'm already not doing that anymore, or I haven't been listening to secular music for a really long time. It was just things that you were already doing, ways that God was already working in your heart, um, and so it was literally just... <laughs> The perfect connection um, and was just amazing to see it all unfold, um, which is one of my highlights in my own spiritual journey, just being able to be a part of yours. Um, and so thank you for letting me do that. Um, so, and I think Angel mentioned this as well, just that you got baptized um, at our Christmas service, you know, so it's been several weeks, but just what has that 
been like for you the last few weeks just of, you know, going from that amazing moment and just how it felt and just how things have been for you since? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It was de it's definitely life-changing for sure. Um, just especially like in the world we live in and me being on social media, um, I was very nervous, you know? I was nervous to let people know, to share my story. Um, especially because they already, a lot of people already have a story of me in their head. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell that story. TV told that story. Mm -hmm. So I was nervous to see what people would think, how they would react um, when I finally got to share my story. And it was actually a complete shock. Um, I got so many positive response. I don't even think I've seen one negative, which is good. Um, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just been a great experience. And I think the thing to take out of this for me is what I did was instead of running away from God when all this tragedy and things happen, I decided to make a choice and get closer to God. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's truly why I am. Like people are like, how are you? How are you still going? Like, yeah. how are you smiling every day? And it's God, honestly, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be where I am without him, starting from being in Montana, him bringing me to Atlanta, mm -hmm. and him allowing me, even this whole being on TV was such a blessing because mm -hmm. if I wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to stop working in the office every single day and be able to move my brother out here. For Like, I look at it as a blessing. Oh I don't look at it as my brother was taken away from me too soon. He, he, I was able to move him out here for the last five years of his life. He was mm. able to, we were able to spend hours a day, you know, like every single day, every weekend because I wasn't drawn to a job. Yeah. Um, and so I had so, like I was fulfilled, I guess, with the, my life with my brother. Mm. So I don't look at it like that. I look at it like I was blessed with every single moment and opportunity to spend with him. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. Marissa, that is so powerful, seriously. That is just deeply, deeply impactful. And I am just so proud of you for allowing God to use that tragedy to propel you closer and closer to him. And I just know that that is going to impact so many people who see you and who hear you and who learn your story and just everything that you just said about how it is God. Um, and so speaking of that, you know, do you have any dreams about how you hope to be used by God and just kind of this new journey that he has you on? You know, I think he's already doing what he's supposed to do with me. Um, I just wake up every day and I ask him, to like speak through me, tell me what you need me to do. I, like even when Angel asked me to come up here today, at first I, this is something I would never have done. <laughs> like I'm just like, ah. and then like he spoke to me and he's like, no, there's other people that you can impact. Your story can help others. You know, when I thought I was down, bad, nothing left, God, God helped me. God got me through it. So. Well, I just love you, Marissa. I'm so, so proud of you and just look forward to being on this journey together. Um, so I just am looking for, okay, yes, there's Angel. I saw the thumbs up, so, you know, 
trying to land the plane a little bit, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me, y'all. Occurrences, so ironic, it could almost be poetic. One thing she didn't mention, they didn't get to, was, uh, you know, I got a little curious. And I said, Marissa, how did you get on The Bachelor anyway? Like, how did that even happen? She said, well, one day I got a random phone call from one of the producers. But I didn't even pay attention to it because I had never watched the show or anything. But the producers kept calling. And so I went on, I got casted, and later found out that my aunt submitted me anonymously. <laughs> anonymously. Occurrences. So ironic. They got to be poetic. And, it, you know, I, I think about that and I think about how God used that to create a platform for her that now is able to bring glory to God. And I think about uh, Joseph. And I think about how uh, what he said later in his life, uh, it, his father had died, his brothers were fearful that they would, that Joseph would turn on them at this point. And this is what he says to them in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, and we'll close out here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. In God's omnipotence, he has the power to take our stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, our, our sin and the ways that Satan intends to harm us and work things out for our good and for the salvation of others. So as we take communion right now, I want us to, to think about how even Joseph's life really is mirrored by the life of Jesus, who was also tortured and beaten and ultimately killed for our own salvation, right? And I want us to think about how God has orchestrated our lives in such a special and unique way to bring us to this point where we are right now to be able to hear his word and grow in our relationship with him. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, your character, for the way you orchestrate our lives, the big things of this world and the small things, seemingly small things, the things we hold dear, the things that are private, the things we that nobody else knows about, and yet you know, God, and you use all that for our good, Father. God, thank you, Lord, that you give us a special kind of hope, one that is not limited to times being good, but really when times are hard and sad and, and there's grief and there's pain, and that's, that's when that hope lives the most. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you for your son dying for us. We thank you that you orchestrated his life so that we can have a new life and be saved, Father. God, as we take this communion, we honor you, bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.